0: Hello, and welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started.
1: Hello, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker. Along with my dad, Pastor Jeff Cranston, we are seeking not only to help you know deep, solid biblical theology, but to know the Word of God and the promises of God that are given to us in His Word, all while holding to solid theological truths in your heart, soul, and mind. Before we get started today, I would like to just take a second and say thank you to our listeners for leaving ratings and reviews. Anytime you guys have just a second to leave a rating or review is super helpful, and we really are so grateful because that is what helps get the Word out to others to hear about kitchen table Theology. So, Dan, you have some exciting news to share with us, something coming up that you have going on the next month.
2: Yes. Kitchen Table Theology family, hello again. Just a little housekeeping here within the Kitchen Table Theology family, community, whatever we call it. I'll be taking a one-month sabbatical from my responsibilities here at Low Country Community Church, and that's going to begin in a very short while after this podcast drops. And so we will be taking off, for the most part, the month of October 2023. Now, if you're listening to this in 2028 and Jesus hasn't come back yet, this is meaningless (laughs) to you. But for those of you who listen week to week, you will not hear from us again until, Lord willing, October the 29th. So that's about a four or five Sunday, four or five week break from the podcast, which that's going to be part of the sabbatical because the the preparation for this every week and the recording of it and so forth, it does require some brain power and some time. And we're just going to take a little break from it and then come roaring back and we will pick right up where we left off.
1: Perfect. We're very glad that you are able to have that time away. And thanks to everybody at LCC for giving you that time and the elders and staff and I know everything will keep running just like normal while you're gone, but we will miss you and be excited when you are back in October.
2: It's a huge gift. And I think for those of you who maybe a sabbatical is a a new term, basically the way I view it is as planned rest for the body and meaningful activities for the spirit and then the pursuit of God for the soul. So I've got things planned out in that month-long period to do to cover all three of those things so really looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to being back with you again Lord Willing the end of October 2023 so but today uh again thanks for joining us as we look into the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel two podcasts ago we dove into the book of 1 Samuel because we did that we'll dispense with most if not all of the background information since 2 Samuel in the original Hebrew Bible, was the same as First Samuel. It was all one book. It wasn't divided into two. And what I just will remind us of, that this book was written between 931 and 822 B.C. So it puts it back just a little less than a thousand years before the coming of Christ.
1: So, kitchen table theologian, if you need a refresher, you're like me, two weeks ago seems like an eternity ago, and you might need to review some of that background info, or perhaps maybe you missed that episode. It is episode 169, our Bible overview of 1 Samuel. Go back and give that a listen. So, 2 Samuel really is a continuation of what was happening in 1 Samuel, but it also does contain a lot of new material. We meet different people in this book, and some really big things take place in this book. So, Dad, how about giving us a brief overview as we get started?
2: Yeah, that's a good idea. What we find in these two books is God raising up two kings, one proud and the other humble. And 2 Samuel is set in the land of Israel, in the promised land, during the reign of David, and follows the course of his 40 years as king of Israel. And Bible scholars and historians tell us that David reigned from how would you say that? Ten eleven? <laughs> a thousand a thousand eleven uh, to sure. nine seventy-one <laughs> BC. I don't know that I've ever had had to say that before. From the year BC a thousand and eleven or ten eleven
1: to nine seventy-one
2: BC. So anyway, it covers the forty years of David's reign.
1: Okay. Just knowing that this is chronicling some of the life and the reign of David pretty much tells us there's going to be a lot of important circumstances and events taking place. I think all of us probably on some level can relate to David. Obviously, he went much further in life than many of the rest of us here today, but we still feel ourselves able to connect to him because of his foibles and failures. So I think it's an easy way for us to see how we can connect with him even though no. none of us are king over a large people, but it's still S- easy to
2: connect with. Sack, <laughs> some of us act like we're kings over a lot right. of people.
1: <laughs> even without that, it's easy for us to connect yeah. and see pieces of ourselves in David. So sure. back, let's get back to Second Samuel. Why is Second Samuel so important?
2: Well, this book introduces the monarchy of Israel and the two king, and the kings, you know, Saul, already in 1 Samuel, but 2 Samuel chronicles the establishment of David's dynasty. It's called the Davidic kingdom and how Israel expanded under David as God's chosen leader. The book opens as David learned of Saul's death, and we're right away into this lament over the deaths not only of Saul, but David's BFF. Jonathan. They were best friends. And that's in just in chapter one as the book begins. And you see this personal grief that David has over their demise, both father and son, Saul and Jonathan. In chapter two, the Lord sets David over the tribe of Judah and then over all Israel as his anointed king. That happens in chapter five. And when that happens, it unites all twelve tribes of Israel into a very tight-knit nation. So As you read the first 10 chapters, David portrayed as a warrior. He's always winning battles. He is loved and lauded and praised by the people. He's kind to the ill and the needy, and he's righteous in God's eyes. And it's on his watch that his warriors returned home with the Ark of the Covenant. So that's major. And that's when we witnessed David dancing before the Lord in the streets of Jerusalem. We also encounter Mephibosheth. Now, say that word 10 times quickly. Mephibosheth, he was the son of Jonathan, David's best friend, who was born with a disability, to whom David very kindly showed mercy to this young man. And it says in verse 7 of chapter 9, for the sake of his father, Jonathan. So his love for Jonathan continued as he showed mercy to Jonathan's son. And yet, and and this is something I think all of us should really appreciate about the Bible and its authors. Biblical writers never overlook their heroes' flaws, and in the second half of the book, we note that David's adultery with Bathsheba was followed by a series of tragedies. He had her husband killed. They had a child. That child died. One of David's daughters named Tamar was raped by one of his sons, Amnon, and then Amnon is murdered. And then David is overthrown politically by another one of his sons named Absalom, and then Absalom dies. So that's in the second half of the book.
1: That is a lot to to take in. But again, as I said, it's easy for us to connect with David when you read those first 10 chapters and you see him as a warrior who's winning all these battles. He's leading his people. He's taking care of everyone. But then we also see where, as you said, the writers didn't overlook his flaws. David has a lot of stuff going on in his life, a lot to deal with. And I think maybe that's where some of us can connect with him. But that's a lot going on just in one book, in one person's life.
2: Yeah, so if you think you're having a bad day, pick up Second Samuel and you'll go, oh, okay, this okay. isn't that bad. Yeah. Anyway, despite all the turmoils of his later years, David enjoyed the Lord's forgiveness and, and favor. And when he was called out on his sin, David expressed genuine sorrow and he regretted his sin. And, and that was revealed by his repentant heart. With which the Lord was pleased. And I think that's all summed up when we read Paul's sermon in Acts 13, and he quote, Paul quotes God calling David a man after my own heart who will do all my will. So that's how God viewed David, even after David messed up and just some huge epic fails.
1: And I think a lot of us can get encouragement from that Mm -mm. right there. We find in Second Samuel, you said, a chronicle of David's life, and at times, it really does make for some fast-paced and riveted reading. So if you haven't read First or Second Samuel lately, Kitchen Table Theologian, we highly recommend uh, that you give it a go again, and I'm sure you will be very glad that you did. So many great stories, so many takeaways for us that we can learn. But Dad, for today's podcast, how about sharing some of the theological themes that we find in Second Samuel.
2: Yes, of course. And as you can imagine, kitchen table theologian, in a book of 23 chapters, there are more than a couple. But I winnow it down to some of the major themes for us, and, and these won't be in any order of importance. Uh, the first theological theme are the magnificent songs and psalms of praise and thanksgiving you find in the book. You don't, You wouldn't think of that with one of these history books, but it's very true. And despite all the twists and turns of a rather long literary history, both 1st and 2nd Samuel are theologically structured as three cycles of stories, and each is based on a key figure in the institution of the monarchy of Israel. So if I lost you there, just hold on. The three cycles revolve around three key figures. So you begin with Samuel, whom God used to usher in the times of the kings and choose the, the kings. And then you've got the cycle of Saul, the first king, and the cycle of David, the second king. So these three stories or these three cycles all relate to the events in the in rise, the birth and the rise of the kingship of Israel. And all three of those events, all three of those stories, I should say, are framed by magnificent psalms and songs of praise or thanksgiving. One comes from Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. Two are from David. And at the heart of each of them is a theological statement or two or three concerning God's justice in humbling the proud and exalting the humble. Thus, King Saul, brought down by God, he becomes the illustration of what kingship should not be. David, raised by God from obscurity to unparalleled wealth and power, becomes the model of what kingship should be, and that is, it should be dependent upon God's grace and to remain humble. And Samuel becomes God's prophetic mediator, the one who acts on God's behalf to usher in the monarchy, and that monarchy was really demanded by the people of Israel, while at the same time, Samuel's job was to keep the truth before everybody, especially keep the truth of God before the kings. And that's not always an easy thing to do. And he Samuel's job was to remind the earthly kings that God is ultimately Israel's king.
1: So we have Samuel, Saul, and David. And th- the story sort of revolve around those three people, cycle yeah. through those three. Okay, mm-hmm. what else? What's another theme?
2: This next one's sort of coming at it sideways, but I would say the Canaanite religion. Now, obviously, that's not good biblical theology, <laughs> but one, we can see it set against it. It's, it becomes helpful to us when we set their religion over and against the doctrine and theology of the Bible, and we see the differences. And we find the religion of the Canaanite people all throughout both books of Samuel. This was an indigenous religion of the Canaanite people, and they were a constant threat to the Israelites. They just were, man. They were always in trouble with the Canaanites. And in Samuel, in 2 Samuel, the follow, you see it in both books. These following things that I'll list here real quick were especially troublesome. So, you had the god Baal or Baals, and that word basically means Lord. And that was, Baal was the chief god of the Canaanites, and he was essentially a fertility god. You had the god Dagon, and he was the fish and grain god of the Philistines. The Philistines were Canaanite people. Dagon's mentioned 11 times throughout, really something to deal with. Astartes, was a Canaanite fertility goddess. Now, I think we talked about her two podcasts ago in 1 Samuel. And what I remember was just finding it funny that the Hebrews deliberately misspelled her name, Astartes, to sound like Ashtoreth. And they changed it basically to represent in the Hebrew language the word for shame. So they, they did their own little twist on that goddess's name. And so you also, when you're reading through, we run across mediums, animism, the worship of inanimate objects like stones and trees and high places. So there's, there was a lot of false religion that was uh, seen at every turn, and the Israelites were surrounded by it. So it was always, it proved to be a, a very, and sometimes insurmountable, temptation to them.
1: And I like what you said there. When you take the Canaanite religion or any sort of false doctrine and you set it up and line it up against the truth and the doctrine, the theology of Scripture, you can see how they compare where the difference is. I think that's always that's helpful for us to do today. If we're questioning something, we're hearing something, always comparing it to the truth of Scripture. Yeah, okay, I'd how say,
2: about... I th- I'd, excuse me, I, I think it was G.K. Chesterton, maybe, who said the the best way to tell if a stick is straight is to lay a crooked stick down? Crooked stick down beside it. It might have been Malcolm okay. Muggeridge. Uh, I can't. I get those confused sometimes. But that's what it was. You had the God of Israel. There's the the straight stick, mm-hmm. and it was very easy to see the dichotomy between the Canaanite religions, and and the the faith of the Israelites and the God of Heaven. Okay. So one more. There- yeah. I'm, and this is big, and you could apply this to pretty much any book in the Bible, so it's not that <laughs> specific to 2 Samuel, but you see it for sure. It's the faithfulness of God in fulfilling His promises and upholding His covenants. And, and key to the book and key to the entire biblical record is 2 Samuel 7, 16. So, Tiff, how about reading that for uh, 2 Samuel 7, 16?
1: Sure. It says, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever.
2: Yeah. So that's a divine promise. And that marked the beginning of an additional covenant. And that was the Davidic covenant. There was an Abrahamic covenant. There was a Mosaic covenant. There have been a number of covenants, but that verse right there, ushered in and began the Davidic covenant, in which God promised an eternal throne to the house of David. I found one commentator who said this, because of David's faith, God did not treat David's descendants as he had treated Saul's. Sin would be punished, but David's line would never be completely cut off. So God's unconditional promise to David would be fulfilled ultimately in David's descendant. And we know who that was, right? That was Jesus. So the covenant that God made with David also included a continuing promise that the people of Israel would have a land of their own forever. They have a land (laughs) right now. And but God says they will have one forever.
1: Let's end, boil it down for us, where the rubber meets the road. What's the so what for in this for us today? What can we take away from this? How do we apply what we've learned and what you've taught us from Second Samuel and all these theological themes? How do we apply that to our life?
2: You mean learning about fertility gods and goddesses and (laughs) the fish god that's not enough for us to take into our day?
1: I need my my take away.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we need a so what here. Yeah, I mentioned earlier in Acts 13, David is known as a man after God's own heart because though he sinned greatly and he made mistakes, he acknowledged those failures and repented Mm -hmm. before God. And David turned away from sin and he turned back to righteousness. So our Heavenly Father knows we are not perfect. And so his son, Jesus, paid the price for our sins so that we can become righteous in God's sight through faith. And although Our salvation is secure. Our daily sins can hinder our relationship with God. And so I think the lesson we can learn from David, when we confess our sins and we turn to the Lord in repentance and humility, we find out that God will forgive us and put our relationship back on a proper plane with him again. The the Apostle James, the half-brother of Jesus, has written what might be an appropriate epitaph for David it wasn't necessarily applied to David, but it sure does apply to him and it applies to us too. And I'll close with this. James wrote, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. And that's the story of David that we find in Second Samuel.
1: That's a great takeaway for all of us, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. If you are enjoying this podcast, would you take just a second and consider leaving a rating or a review on iTunes? As I said at the beginning, we really deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. Be sure to subscribe iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen so that you can continue to journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Don't forget, you can check out today's episode notes and much more at jeffcranston.com. As always, thanks are due to our friends at Lowcountry Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, and at Streamline Podcasts for making this podcast possible. Until next time, the end of October 29th to be specific, 2023, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks for joining us at the table.
0: You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff@lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.